You're listening to The Big Show with Patrick Duma on the official home of your Calgary Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Welcome back to The Big Show. Live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Do you have cracks in your walls, floors, or ceilings? Visit dlbasementsystems.com for a free estimate. They are all things basementy. One more sleep to go, and the NFL will be here. Week one starts tomorrow night at Arrowhead Stadium at the Kansas City Chiefs. Raising their Super Bowl banner, hosting the Detroit Lions. We go down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. We're joined by the one half of the fan checkdown. You can hear it right here on Sportsnet 960 and along the Sportsnet radio network uh, every day at noon. Uh, Donovan Bennett. Donovan, how are we doing this morning, buddy? I'm great. We are just one sleep away yeah, from man. football. Can't be any better. NFL football. Yes, yes. The NFL variety for sure. Uh, just one week in the books over on the fan checkdown with uh, Matty Marchese. How's it been going with you guys? So fun. I mean, it's an hour, but it's a jam-packed hour because there's always something to be talking about, oh, yeah. whether it's what is the latest thing that Jerry Jones said to <laughs> what is the latest injury news, the contract holdout situation, and obviously the matchups that we're going to see in week one and what people like and don't like in terms of fantasy or betting. So, yeah, lots to talk about, but it's been a blast so far. Well, we'll talk about some injury and some contract holdouts involving one team uh, that we'll be playing tomorrow night, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, obviously, uh, Travis Kelsey has the knee issue. Nothing wrong with his ACL. Hyperextended it. And Jason Kelsey this morning said uh, he thinks he'll be fine. He'll be good to go if they get that swelling down. But obviously there's the there's the threat that Kelsey might not be there. But there's also the definite threat that Chris Jones will not be playing tomorrow night. And he could take this way into the season. How big uh, are these issues right now for the Kansas City Chiefs? Is, or is it just, you know, hey, Patrick Mahomes is still here. We'll be good. I think they're both massive for different reasons. I mean, when you talk about Chris Jones, the defense was literally built around him. He is, I suppose, the Patrick Mahomes of that defense in terms of their ability to get pressure before to protect a really young secondary, the third youngest secondary in the league a year ago. So if he's not going to be there for the foreseeable future, that's one issue. But also, what type of shape, how many snaps, are you going to be able to get out of him when he does get back? If he takes the elongated sabbatical that he is essentially telling us on Twitter he's willing to take. And then when you look at Travis Kelsey, he's just flat out arguably one of the best offensive weapons in football, regardless of the position. He just happens to play tight end. 12 touchdowns uh, you know, in the last couple of years. He's had 80 catches and over 1,000 yards. Every year mm-hmm. since 2016, and Mahomes has had 342 dropbacks. Him on the field, that's 7.2 yards per attempt, 75 total QBR. He's an appreciably different player when he's playing with Travis Kelsey because they are connected like Bluetooth, essentially. And so, luckily, Kelsey's not the most athletic guy, so if he's not 100% out of the gate, it's not the end of the world because he really wins with his mind, but mm-hmm. still a big loss if he's not in the line. Yeah, we, we'll see uh, again. We'll, today will be, they'll try it again. Uh, they'll try his knee out later on this afternoon to see if it's a good to go. But if that, that swelling comes down, could be 
in the lineup tomorrow. Uh, the opponent for the Chiefs tomorrow, the, the Detroit Lions, uh, definitely a team on the rise, at least in the eyes of most of the NFL media. Uh, they're opening the game. They're in the opening game alongside Kansas City. Are you also buying into the hype around the Motor City? Obviously, they had the great finish to last year. Uh, knew heading into that final game in Green Bay that they weren't going to go to the playoffs, but they had a chance to ruin it for their rivals, and, and they did. So Dan Campbell, Jared Goff, Jameer Gibbs, it's a, it's a good team, but are we believing the hype that Detroit could be maybe that third team in the NFC? I don't want to, right? I was <laughs> the first person making fun of Dan Campbell when he was talking about biting off people's knees. Sure. <laughs> but uh, just watch this team and look what they've done, whether it's via the draft, via the agency, slowly getting better in both. And they were already pretty good to end last year. Mm-hmm. Eight and ten in their last ten games, including two huge victories over Green Bay in the division. The formula was really simple, though. They didn't really beat themselves. Turned the ball over only four times in the last 10 games. And when you look at their schedule this year, seven of the last eight games are played in a dome. Mm -hmm. Jared Goff has been appreciably better over the course of his career. So, yeah, I think especially if they can get off to a decent start in the NFC North, they will be a playoff team via winning this. I said this to Matt Marchese yesterday. If you ask 15 different people who's going to win the NFC North, I think you might get a bunch of different answers because all those teams are really interesting. But Detroit, I think, has the track record and the high-level athletes on offense. I really like them. Well, we'll keep it here in the NFC North. It, it is a it is a fascinating division for me. Like Green Bay, obviously replacing a Hall of Famer in Aaron Rodgers with Jordan Love. A very young group there. Uh, Minnesota, obviously winning 13 games last year, all by like one score, and uh, that'll probably never happen again. But and then there's Chicago. Justin uh, Justin Fields is there. That offense seems rebirth. DJ Moore. Uh, is it kind of similar? Like 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 you said. Like who do you think is the favorite to win that division? Well, I think we, we all kind of sleep on Minnesota mm-hmm. because well, we don't really respect her cousin that much unless you watch the quarterback series on Netflix. And then you have more respect for him, but you wonder why he's referencing Margaret Thatcher when he talks about football. Yeah. But I think the best player <laughs> in the decision is certainly uh, Justin Jefferson. And now we'll see if they can withstand the loss of Dalvin Cook. But some high-level analytics will say that they actually may have been a more efficient offense in the last couple of years with Madison on the field mm-hmm. and not Cook. So I, I think, you know, if we looked at the two deep and evaluated all positions, quite frankly, uh, you know, again, Detroit might be the best team. But I actually think a low-key team that nobody is talking about and that is just quietly, humbly doing their work is Green Bay. Had a great draft. Jordan Love has been groomed for this mm-hmm. situation, mm-hmm. has looked really good in the preseason. And we think LeFleur is a good coach, but yep. really we've given all the credit to what they've done on offense to Aaron Rodgers. LeFleur is one of the Shanahan McVay disciples that is lost in the shuffle a little bit. And so he gets the rebirth to essentially do exactly what he wants to do without catering to a Hall of Famer. I actually think there will be some addition by subtraction just because we're not having press conferences about what Aaron Rodgers' feet look like or is he vaccinated or not, and we can just focus on the team. The the, the defense still has some questions, but is talented. They have some young receivers that stepped up towards the end of last year, and they still have two really good running backs. So Mm -hmm. I I think – 
the, the team who I could see having a high floor and high ceiling is Chicago, just because we're still figuring out what Justin Fields is, and maybe his offensive line will give us a chance to figure out what he is. But I think the team with the baseline that's, you know, pretty high to start with is Green Bay. We just don't talk about them yeah. because there's been no distractions. And I think that's actually, for them, finally a good thing. Yeah, and they're returning uh, pretty much the same offensive line that was a top-five unit last year that was without David Bakhtiari for, for a good chunk of it as well. Uh, shifting to the AFC's version of the North, I think it might be the strongest division top to bottom. I think all four have a possibility, a capability of getting into the postseason. What's your read on this division? I think Cincinnati, obviously the Super Bowl contender that they are. Baltimore, new look offense with Todd Munkin. Lamar's back. Cleveland has the roster. Can Deshaun Watson be that guy with, with no suspension? He's been there. And then there's Pittsburgh, who's never finished last in this division as long as Mike Tomlin's been there, or as long as this, they've been in this division, and they're always a threat with Mike Tomlin. So it's a, it's a a really good group. It's a really good group. You know, if I chart what my playoffs look like right now, I have three teams from the North yeah. making it to the postseason. I think internally in their building, all four teams in the North expect to. Sorry, Cleveland Browns. I don't expect you to be there because I think Deshaun Watson is Deshaun washed at this point. Mm-hmm. But there's been a lot of talk about how good the AFC East is. And certainly it is really good. Jets have a real tough schedule to start the year, you know, the bills have shown us that, you know, their depth can be questioned once they have some injuries and they are the oldest team, you know, in that division, six of their top 10 uh, paid players are injured. Where I think the the top teams in the uh, AFC North have less questions about it. Mm -hmm. And I do really think Cincinnati is a Super Bowl contender. I think that they're in the team outside of Philly that can really push Kansas city. We've obviously seen it, but all Joe Burrow does, is essentially win double the games and take his team uh, to the playoffs. The franchise has 10 postseason victories. Burrow has five of them. <laughs> so yeah. I think it's a new era in, in Cincinnati. Assuming that cap is okay, uh, mm-hmm. they'll be okay. But remember, he missed most of training camp last year, yep. uh, and he seemed to, after a slow start, be okay. Uh, I think the same will be true. And then we'll, we'll see what Lamar is. And the real question of Lamar is, will he be on the field, whether it's you know, because injury or because, you know, he's had COVID twice, uh, you know, or, or because he hasn't been happy with his contract at times. Seems to be happy. He seems to be healthy. So Baltimore, again, is a sleeper team that I think, you know, would not be surprised if they're playing in the last game at the end of the year. How dug in do you think Jonathan Taylor is? He's obviously going to miss the first four games. He's on the PUP list. Uh, but do you think he plays another down with the Colts? Obviously, there was the reports Miami was willing to offer a lot. Uh, Green Bay was going to give him a contract uh, to make him one of the highest paid backs in the game. Uh, do you think he still has a chance to stay in Indy once he's healthy? Or is this just a, a loss for cause that they're, Indy's going to cut their losses and maybe move him ahead of the deadline for something? I think dug in is correct because mm-hmm. I think that's the case for both sides. The problem for Jonathan Taylor is he doesn't have as much leverage. Yeah. He doesn't have as much control. And I suppose he controls giving him uh, giving him his services, which you know he's not doing right now. But if he doesn't play, he doesn't get paid. But also, he doesn't get any closer to free agency. So at some point, he will, assuming he's healthy and can come off the pup list, He's going to have to play. He's going to have to show up. And he's going to have to, even if he wants to be traded, put something on tape yep. before the October 31st trade deadline to let people know, okay, wait, is he truly healthy? What are we spending if we get him? And what are we getting for the rest of the year? And what are we getting 
more because he's only going somewhere, not as a rental, but for someone to give him more money. I, I think the, the Colts are really trying to shame him and say, well, listen, you say you're a high-level player? Look, look, look at what the return for the rest of the league is. They're not willing to give a, a day-one pick for nope. you. We're willing to give up Jalen Waddle for you, which I wouldn't do in fantasy, never mind in real life. <laughs> so I, I think they're trying to prove to him that the market is truly what they're offering. But what they're missing is, I don't think this is about money anymore. I think this is about Jim Irsay really popping out of turn, disrespecting Taylor at all running backs. Mm-hmm. But I think he has soured on the franchise in general. So I think he plays reluctantly. I think he gets to the end of his deal, and then I, I think he goes somewhere else where I, I just don't know if he's ever going to catch in with that big pay because of how punitive the control is based off the NFL CBA. We're talking with Donovan Bennett from Sportsnet, also a co-host with, on the, the Fan Checkdown over on the Sportsnet radio network. Uh, this is uh, just coming in this morning, but uh, Caleb Williams, uh, the projected first overall pick from last year, uh, for coming up for this year in the 2024 draft, his, his dad says uh, he might go back to school if the team that has that first pick uh, doesn't vibe with Caleb Williams, doesn't drive with, with what he wants to do and, and can maybe ruin his development and that he could go back to USC. Now, Arizona is that team that everybody thinks, well, they could be a potential picking number one and number two with, with the picks they have. What do you what's your read on on the whole Caleb Williams thing? Is is it is it wise for him to go back to school? Obviously, there's the insurance thing, but there's also risky injury and and not and and all that that goes along with it. But do you think he should just come out to the NFL right away, d- despite whoever's picking first overall? It's a really fascinating conversation, and we've seen no matter how good the quarterback, your situation when you start plays a big factor in your success and must your career and how we see you. There's been so many great, you know, Heisman winners, high-level, elite first-round talent that didn't land in a great situation, and thus it impacted their ability to play winning football. And so I think this is a bit of leverage. I think this is the Williams family saying, hey, Cardinals, how about you slow your roll? Don't take so obviously. Don't fall out of Kyler Murray too quickly because we actually don't want to be a part of that organization either. But the dynamic that's changed is before, whether it was someone like John Elway or Kyler Murray, the leverage they had was, well, I'll, I'll go play baseball. Yeah. I, I'm going to go play another sport. And that's not so much the thing because athletes really specialize from a young age. Now the leverage is, I'll go back to college because guess what? I'm Caleb Williams in, in NIL money. I'm making $2.6 million <laughs> to play maybe 12 games. So, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go to college and go to frat parties and do this all over again. Uh, and I'm living in LA. I'm already yeah. like beside LeBron watching Messi <laughs> in, 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 when he plays LA. I'm already a celebrity. Do I need to go to the NFL? So the NIL money that high level players and he's fourth highest mm-hmm. through the college athlete is close to what you'd make as a rookie yep. in your base salary. Now it delays you getting to your second contract, which is where you make your big money. And essentially as soon as you get to that second contract, as a quarterback, you immediately become the highest paid player in the league. Mm-hmm. See Justin Herbert. <laughs> but uh, I think this is leverage saying we used to have to leave to help our family, to pay off some loans, to make sure we didn't miss on generational money. Now we're going to take out some insurance in case of catastrophic injury. We're going to take care of our lifestyle right now and make generational money with NIL. 
and then we'll pick and choose mm-hmm. when we come out based off of what the top of the draft board looks like. I, 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 listen, I think he for sure wants to be a pro and lead, but I, I do think it is some leverage that you can throw that out that, and it won't be an entirely empty threat because of what NIL has done to the NCAA. No, exactly. I think uh, Caleb Williams is just going to be the first example. I mean, we saw with with Eli and not wanting to play with the Chargers, going to the Giants. But, yeah, this is this is different. I think this is going to be for the next – and then the, the next crop of big college superstars coming out that they're going to use this extra year of eligibility that they have if they have it uh, to uh, to stay a little to, to to stay in college and get a better situation. Uh, Dallas, uh, the Cowboys, uh, if they can't get to the promised land, I mean, I guess winning more than one game might be the promised land for them. Uh, but if they have another flame out in January or even not even make the playoffs, is this could be it for Dak Prescott as a Cowboy? It's an interesting conversation. I mean, Jerry Jones, Despite what Jerry been, said yesterday. And, yeah, he's, he's been incredibly loyal, loyal to a fault. Uh, I, I mean, I think Mike McCarthy would go before yeah. Prescott because there are more coaches you could find at that level than you know, quarterbacks. Like, it, it's one thing to say you're going to find another great quarterback, but then go out and do it. They, they don't come up uh, in free agency. You might draft one, but you have to really – at the top of the draft and get lucky. This is a team that's had 12 straight playoff appearances, you know, in back-to-back years, but, you know, uh, 12 wins in back-to-back years and 12 playoff appearances without making a conference finals. They've drafted more Pro Bowls, 14, since 2014. So as much as I get on Jerry Jones, as a GM, he's done his job. It's just been the coaching and essentially the players melting down and Dak for sure has not had great postseason Tampa Bay team. It'll be interesting to see. He's got a $59 million cap hit in 2014. Mm-hmm. And whether or not you're going to continue to apply that amount of financial resources to that position while trying to build around him, a huge question. And Michael Parsons is going to say, whatever Bolsa gets this year, I want that plus plus next year. So they've got some financial considerations as well. What do you do with Tony Pollard? You can't franchise him forever. Yeah. You found a good back there. I think that's why they want to get ahead of it and get the deal done now because the quarterback position is like the housing market. It goes up year over year over year. If we don't see an in-game or in-season extension or taking money essentially off of the, the front end of the contract and pushing it back in future years where theoretically the cap will go up, give some of that money in bonus, mm-hmm. then yeah, and if that really is, is – going to be dug in himself in terms of what that contract looks like to push the, the mold for all quarterbacks, then I think we would have a situation in Minnesota is in the same situation with Kirk Cousins. We're like, yeah, we, we like you, but we don't love you, yeah. right? We're in a relationship, but it's complicated. And so we're, we're, we're not single, but we're also not in love and in marriage. We're, we're putting up our Facebook status and it's complicated. So I could see, and, and I'll give you a, a, a QB name to watch if things go south in terms of negotiation and the play on the field and Dak is once again, you know, potentially leading the lead in interception. Mm-hmm. Kyler Murray. Yeah. From Texas, you know, again, who does Jerry love? Someone who's going to bring a lots of excitement and drama. The Cardinals, again, have to move him because they don't want to guarantee, you know, his money moving forward. They just signed him to a deal last offseason. If he is hurt, they owe him money uh, moving forward, which is why I think there's a real chance that Kyler Murray doesn't get on the field this year, even though he was recently named the captain. 
Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw that type of swing for the fences loop. Remember, Jerry's son had to talk him out of drafting Johnny Manziel. Yep. Well, there, there's a real comp in the style of play uh, and excitement in Tyler Murray and Johnny Manziel. I wouldn't be surprised if that's a, a scenario that we're talking about with the Cowboys if a Dak Prescott deal didn't get done. Yeah, that, that points in the, the arrows. That totally makes sense, especially if Arizona does have that top pick and with what Caleb Williams wants, who knows. Uh, one more with you, DB. Uh, a Super Bowl pick. I know it's it's early and everybody, but uh, might as well get one out of you before the before the day before the week starts. Uh, who you got uh, in Vegas there in February? So I mean, I don't want to be late and, and just go chalk. So I'm not going to go. Not, I'm not going to go Eagles versus the Chiefs. I do have the Chiefs winning because like there's debt taxes and Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I think actually last year would. Uh, a gap year for them, and they just messed around and won a Super Bowl. Yeah. And defense gets better, assuming, you know, they, they get, uh, you know, the big man in the middle, Chris, signed and together, and, and assuming John Kelsey is not too injured. But I actually think the Niners okay. uh, are the other Super Bowl team because I'm down for the Brock Purdy experience. The only game that he lost is when he lost ligaments in his elbow. <laughs> so true. I think – I think the Niners, with a full offseason and a full year of Christian McCaffrey, are, are that other team in, in the Super Bowl. But, yeah, I'm, I'm picking Mahomes to, and the Chiefs to go back-to-back. Back. And Niners got their own uh, D-lineman to deal with. Nick Bosa trying to figure out a contract for him as well, especially with when he's saying that 28 of the 31 other teams would uh, would make him one of the highest-paid defensive linemen. He definitely has the leverage there. So we'll see what happens. But, yeah, Chiefs-Niners, that seems... Seems apropos. Seems like a good pick. Uh, DB, thank you so much for joining me, and uh, we'll do this again throughout the season. Thank you so much. Would love to, and keep up the great work. Always love listening to the clips that come out on social, and really enjoy the show.